Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to What Do You Say Anime? I'm your host, Peter. And on today's solo episode, I will be reviewing the currently wrapping up season that was the summer 2021 era. We had some great shows. We had some huge duds. I'm going to be discussing my favorites, everything in the middle, and then the shows I dropped towards the end of the episode. I'm going to be talking spoilers. Obviously, this is a review episode. So if you're looking for a specific show that you want to hear me talk about, in the descriptions below, there will be timestamps. You can jump straight to those reviews and avoid the ones that maybe you're still currently watching or want to watch. If you are a first-time or long-time listener to the podcast, I just want to say thank you. We've had a great response in the last couple of weeks. It's been really fun seeing new members join our Discord. If you're interested in joining our Discord, link's in the link tree below. You can come talk anime, games, movies. We're playing New World soon. we got like a guild going, so if that's something you're interested in, Come to our Discord and come talk with us. Uh, we, man, I just want to say, like, thank you so much to everybody. It's been, like, a great ride so far. And just, like, I've got, I'm just riding such a high from the last couple of weeks of just seeing reviews and people joining and saying that they like the content. So I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who ever said they liked the podcast. Because it honestly makes my day. I just want to say thank you, but you are here for anime. So let's talk some anime. I'm going to start with the heavy hitters. Um, these are going to be the first two shows, I believe, are Anime of the Year contenders for sure. Uh, they're my Anime of the Year contenders for sure. They're in my like top 20 of all times. That's going to be a spoiler on what I'm going to be rating them. But these two shows specifically just blew me away. One I had high hopes for, the other one honestly came out of nowhere. I'm going to talk about the first one first. The first one is Kakiki Shoujo, or Opera Girls is the English synonyms for it. So Kagiki Shoujo is a story about a performance arts school in Japan for um, girls only who want to become these type of actors where it's only female actors playing all roles regardless of gender. And it's them... Coming into this new world where they came from like high schools and other various forms of theater arts and moving into this style of performance. Our two main characters, one's name is Sarsa, who is the goat. She's like my frontrunner for best girl of the year. I absolutely loved her. Came from a male-dominated theater performance art. And then our second main character named I came from an idol group called JP4, JPX48 or something like that, I believe that's what it's called. So we have like these different walks of life of different types of theater because I guess being an idol is like, I mean, it's a performance, absolutely. And just coming into their own. So, But what Kagiki Shoujo does so well that blew me away was taking themes that are serious in nature and very... I feel like resonate with a lot of people as um, we had bullying, we had sexual assault, we had sexual abuse, we had um, like inferiority complexes and they handled that so incredibly well. I'm going to touch on a few of them. I was a big fan of the bullying aspects of the show where they're showing that in school, in the school world, like in the nature of being with your classmates, bullying happens, whether the person on the receiving end or giving end and how they interpret it is completely different. But on how this was 
how Kageki Shoujo handled it was bullying is a serious topic and it's affecting my life, but it's not going to like end my life. I have to, I will deal with this on my own. And that's what it did. It took these themes where I will persevere through bullying. I will persevere through sexual assault, sexual abuse on my terms. I'll do it my way. Like, I'm not going to just have one thing happen in my life and then, then that's the end of it type of thing. I just like how it's like, yes, my life sucks for three months while these girls were bullying me. But I am in a new place. I am with new people. The, those people do not, they're not around me anymore. I can be myself again. And you see that and you, it's just handled so well, especially with I, who was the victim of um, sexual assault. And so how she kind of handled it was by cutting her hair short to, I think it, I could be mistaken, but in my eyes, it was to make her less feminine, to be less attractive to men because she feared men because she was sexually abused by her stepfather. And as you see her come to terms with what happened and where she is now and how she's in a better place and she doesn't need that anymore, she can let her hair grow. She can be more comfortable with herself. She can be the girl that she wants to be, not be the girl who is repulsive to other people. And that's kind of like her goal was. Obviously, she's like super attractive and she it's it's hard to like balance that where like regardless of how you change your looks, people are still probably going to find you attractive. It was just like how she her like self mechanism with dealing with those issues were handled. I thought we're just like S tier. I was absolutely blown away by that. Uh, the inferiority complex with the the twins where they both wanted to play the same role and how prior to them getting into school this year, the year before, one of the twins got in and the other one didn't. And their dynamics of, hey, we've always been together. We've always done everything together. And now when it comes to a competition like this where... 5,000 girls apply and like 50 get in my sister got in and I didn't and how do I deal with that and then me having two brothers I've been in that situation before where uh, my younger brother who is just a giant of a human being he's like six foot seven was always better than me at basketball so having that complex of him playing up in skill where I was still playing lower really bugged me and that's just like one of the things that I gravitated towards in this show that was handled so well there are so many other things that they handled incredibly well I thought the voice acting was incredible when they're playing their different roles and trying to get into different characters it's not only getting the voice acting right for that role but also getting the voice acting wrong for screwing up in the role that they are portraying so we had like instances where the girls got excited when trying out for a specific role and wanted to um, vocalize more. And then their response to doing that was talking louder, which wasn't the right case. It was more of like the person who was handling it well was speaking bolder. Their words were more clear and precise and they made those words hit harder. And the girls who weren't familiar with that style of um, acting and that style of communicating's response was to just talk louder. And that's I think that happens a lot, especially with like singers, where they want to bolt their voice out, but instead of being 
like puffing up their chest and letting the words hit, they'll just, oh, you know, just like say it really loud, push it out instead of like containing it into a specific spot. I thought that was handled in just like one of those technical things that were just handled so well. The characters themselves are great. We, the two main characters are were an absolute blast. The dynamics between the two were fantastic. Along with the side characters, we got Kaoru, who was like the budding, um, you know, I'm trying to think of like the, when you see her, you think of like, oh, she's rich or something like that. Like you can just tell by the person who she is. I don't know if she actually was rich, but that was kind of like the vibe she came out. We got like the shy girl Ayako, who was kind of like Megumi from Food Wars where her acting skills wasn't the hot, like the best, but she was an incredible singer, so she played to her strengths. And I thought that was handled incredibly well because everybody has their own qualms and everybody has their own problems with, you know, like if, if you're a basketball player, I'm going to use that as an example, I'm not the best dribbler, so I'm going to play to my strengths, which is like shooting or something like that. And that's how, like, the characters did their dynamics. And I love that. It's not like there was one girl. Well, there was. But, um, actually, that's a, I just brought up a great point for myself. The girls all play to the strengths. But if you've ever played sports and you know this, when you see somebody who's just on another level, on a whole other caliber, like, you just know. Like, you don't need to see anything more for them. And that's what Sarsa was. Everyone's just like... God damn, like, she's good. Like, she's really good, and everybody knew it, and it was so fun to watch because she kind of knew it too, but, like, she didn't... It wasn't just, like, natural. Part of it was natural, but, like, part of it was also, like, putting everything together that she has had in her life, and you see that backstory to see why she is the person she is now, who she is now. Uh, her boldness, where prior to coming to school... Her and her boyfriend go on a date, but at the time they weren't dating, she overhears him, like, talking about it or whatever, and he kind of chickens out. And Sarsa's just like, nah, I like you. Like, you should be my boyfriend. And I love that. I love the boldness. Just, people should just communicate. Use your words. It works out. And if they say no, they say no. I thought that was just handled really well. The show was absolutely incredible. I'm writing out it for a very long time. But if you haven't seen Kageki Shoujo, and hopefully I didn't ruin it, but it's a 10 for me. It was anime of the year contender it might be my favorite show so far this year i loved every second of it i will be picking up the manga because i i hope it gets a second season i have no idea how well it's doing in japan but the manga is getting printed right now like the third volume comes on like december and i'm gonna be picking it up for sure i love this show 10 out of 10 easy 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 i'm gonna follow that up with another show that's just just so good just so 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 well done and that's Two Year Eternity. What a beautiful, beautiful storytelling of life. The journey of life. And meeting new people and experiencing new things where I don't know if most people would do that in their life. And what it said to me was like, there's like so many different like unique people, so many unique situations that are happening in the world where you could spend your eternity learning new things all the time because the world is constantly changing the people are constantly changing and we do that with our main character fushi who is this i don't know other world object and we go through the different storylines with 
his like master because he's, he's like a wolf in the beginning we see it through the eyes of him being a wolf and then finally being a human and then being like an adult towards the end uh with march i i'll know man i think i cried four times watching this show it was that good loved march she was my best girl of the year until sarsa from <laughs> kagiki shoujo showed up uh gugu what an amazing character gugu is i loved his arc his arc was that was a 10 out of 10 arc it reminded me a lot of the second arc of dr stone in season one where it kind of flipped the switch a little bit on what the story was telling it focused on the relationships more than the supernatural more than the eternity and the immortalness that is fushi and more of just like gugu and fushi developing relationships for the first time in a different way gugu kind of getting a new brother since his brothers essentially abandoned him and fushi getting i would say like a friend i, I feel like his master that he had wasn't really like a f i mean he was a friend but was more like family gugu was more like a brother like that type of relationship if that makes any sense i hope so and i just thoroughly enjoyed everything about that gugu love you man great character I had some problems with the end, the last arc, though. However, I do think they wrapped it up really nicely to really portray what the story was going for. And that was, you know, making the most of your life, not not dreading on a mistake or a decision that happened in the past. is continuing moving on with your life and reaching the goals that you were wanting to go to. And the friends you make along the way, the family you make along the way. I thought that was just like a really great message with how everything happened at the end with uh, Tanari and then uh, Piorin at the end where we saw like where she like passed away. And it was hitting really hard with like the her getting Alzheimer's at the end was a really tough scene. I didn't see that coming at all. I thought that was a great touch to her character. And it just really showed the dynamics of the of the like the personalities people can portray in the show. It's not just cookie cutter. It's not just all of these different tropes that are thrown in here. It's unique scenarios with unique personalities. And we got to see all of that. Uh, Hayase was an incredible antagonist. I hope she's nominated at like the Crunchyroll Awards. She was incredible. I loved her so much. Her dynamic of being anything do like taking any any risks she'll do anything to get to uh fushi because of she's just so enamored with his immortalness his like the dynamics of his shape-shifting abilities and stuff like that i thought that was incredibly well done and just everything that went along with it we're getting a second season which i'm so happy for the show was an absolute masterpiece one of the best episode ones i've ever seen in anime it was just really well done. The music in episode one was just breathtaking. It reminded me a lot of like Violet Evergarden and that essence of getting lost in the world with just like still sound effects, maybe like wind and snow and stuff like that. But it's the music that like got me lost into the show. The show was a 10 out of 10 uh, anime of the year contender. Just a wonderful show to your eternity. Next up, we have the return of Kyoto Animation with Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid S, and the S stands for Super or Supersonic or whatever. It's anything you want it to be. The S was 
this was super fun. I'll put it that way. Uh, the gang was back with some hilarious slice of life um, stuff that we always get with Kobayashi. I like that this year they we got introduced to more characters. We got Ilulu and Elma got featured significantly more. I did have one problem though, and that's Say Sayaka, Say Saikawa, Saikawa. Um, her character continues to be the down, not just say downfall. Downfall is a very bad word. If there was like thorn, every rose has its thorn, you know, and not everything can be perfect. And unfortunately, Saikawa is that thorn in the rose. I hate the lolly lesbian aspect of the show. It makes no sense. It adds nothing to the show. It's not funny. And it's kind of repulsive at times with how much they go into it. I'll put it that way. And I really wish it was just not in the show at all. And I think it would make the show just as good, if not better, if it was gone. Actually, it'd probably be better now that I, put, now that I think about it. Didn't like it. Uh, Ilulu started off strong. I thought that she was a great addition with her kind of finding her own path in this world, sort of like Kobayashi, or sort of like Toru did with her route. You know, she came here to kill people. She was repulsed with humans, meets Kobayashi, kind of changes that um, narrative that she had. And you see her background with her having human friends in her other world and how things sort of just trickled along and changed her perspective throughout life due to the actions that happened with it. I thought it was handled really well. The OP was really good too. I was a big fan. I it took me an episode or two to get into it, but once it's once you hear it a few times, you're like, no, this is fun. It sets the tone for the show. Overall, just like a really fun show. Yeah, I really just do think that there was just like one problem with the entire show. We had like two fights of the years in this show. Um Toru versus Ilulu in the episode one or two and then Elma versus Taru in like episode 10 and the impact of the Elma fight was so well done the whole backstory just both of these characters seeing their background and like letting everything go into the into this fight and like the whole time it's great because like you know they're not going to kill each other but they're frustrated they had prior things that weren't resolved this is how they're going to do it because they can't get it through words. And it's like when you fought with like your friends or your family or your brothers or your sisters where you just had to do it. And then once it was all said and done, you're back to being friends or whatever. And that's kind of like the vibe I got with those, with the Elma fight. And I just thought it was handled really well. This show was a lot of fun. I'm so happy that Kyoto animation's back. I'm really intrigued to see what they're doing next. I, I, think there's enough content for more seasons it might be like two or three years i'm going to guess we're going to get a third season of kobayashi but it might be just a few years i'm gonna give this a nine i had a lot of fun with it um one of my favorite slice of life's of all time i've rewatched the original a few times i'll probably rewatch this one down the road when i need something fun just to laugh at and kobayashi miss kobayashi dragon maid does that for me and it was a wonderful show now we're going to get into our isekai block. Um, we had quite a few. I will say this, this is like the isekai slash, you know, fantasy time loop area. That whole gray area. What's an isekai? What's not an isekai? And 
start things out with a show that I thought was going to be better than it was. And that was how a realist hero rebuilt the kingdom. The story sets out something similar to like shield hero summoned from our world into his, um, he's the hero. He needs to help this kingdom that's broke on the verge of war, all this different stuff. And I'm a fan of when you play the politics role in conflict and not just like the who can punch the person the hardest in the face type of thing. And that's how it started. But that's not how it ended. And that was my biggest qualm with the show. We got uh, Kazuya, the main character, and his just ridiculousness on how he rebuilds the kingdom. So here's here's my biggest problem with it. I, I think it's starting like episode six. He's having a conversation with Licia, who's the princess, essentially explaining to her what supply and demand is. Now we are living in a fully developed country with armies and navies and an air force, a, a different type of air force, but like we have like established, um, like these formularies of branches of government and stuff inside of each other. And he's explaining what supply and demand is. And Lysia's just like, Oh my God. This dude is the smartest dude I've ever met in my entire life. I'm like, you have banks, you have trade merchants, you have routes, and you don't know what supply, even if you don't know the word supply and demand, the concept of supply and demand exists in this world. And she's just like, oh my god, I can't believe that this dude figured out supply and demand. And he's like, you know what else will make supply and demand better? If we built roads. And they're like, oh my god, what roads? What are those? And... I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but how they just put together on how they're trying to like build up the main character, just like this guy's a genius. This guy's incredible. We've never had anybody like him before. It's just like, yeah, he read an economy book in college once and now he's a, now he's a genius. If you've ever seen, oh my God, the blesser of Einhard and master of Ragnarok, it's an awful isekai. It's literally my lowest rated anime of all time. And that it reminded me of a lot like that where the main character is a military genius because he read uh, war or like battle strategies off Wikipedia on his smartphone. That's what this reminded me of. It's like putting the concept of supply and demand together is very easy. And when you have a world built on trade, Anybody who trades understands that concept and they just, just like, yeah, this dude's a fucking genius. I can't believe you figured it out. We're saved. And yeah, it's just like how, how they solve their supply problem is they need money. And so they sell national treasures, which are just like crowns and jewelry and stuff. And it's like, yeah, if you, if you sell things, you get money. And then with that money, you can buy stuff. And it was like, holy shit, this dude, this dude of like really like this is the route we're going to go and then they turn into a cookie carrier cookie cookie cutter generic harem where i thought that was completely unnecessary i would have loved to see like a power dynamic between him and the princess because that relationship is established early they have decent uh chemistry with their conversations and so all like that and then we get introduced to 
the big tittied singer girl and the dark skinned elf and these girls are just like holy crap he did one thing to help me i guess i'm gonna fuck him and it's just like really like guess what people do nice things all the time doesn't mean you're gonna get laid and i wish that wasn't the case in this one but it was i just wish we just got rid of that whole harem aspect and just developed the characters. Let me see more of the characters, their personality, the conversations that they have other than fawning over the MC where it wasn't, that really wasn't the context of the story to begin with. It kind of happened towards the end where I feel like they had some gaps in the content and just like, well, Let's make her jealous. He buys a, a gift for one of the other girls. And let's make her jealous. And then we'll make that girl jealous. And we'll make that girl jealous. And the, we had a conversation in Discord. I guess the rules are established early that like um, being polyamorous is like okay in this world. Which it's which that's fine. It's just like it's not needed in that style of show. I, in this style of show I guess. It's just if you're going to bring something new to the table like hey, this guy is going to solve issues through politics, through whatever, like that style of non-physical combat. Let's not do the cookie-cutter thing where it's a male power fantasy with seven girls wanting to suck his dick, and that's what happened. And it just it honestly turned me off. We are getting a second season. I'll probably watch it. It wasn't the worst thing that I ever watched, but honestly, it's... It missed the bar on a few spots. I'm giving it a five. Mouse says that's average. Thought this was an average Isekai. It is what it is. Next up for our sequel of My Next Life as a Villainous, All Routes Lead to Doom, Season 2. Katarina is back with her. Now this is different. This is this is a literally like a harem video game with the you know like the genre switch with it where it's reverse and she's actually supposed to be the villainous but she ends up being the hero and that's like a really fun concept what season two failed to deliver on for me was progressing the story in a way that i felt a second season should have with with the biggest qualms were at the end with the keith kidnapping which that was three episodes long and they made that like an entire arc and I honestly feel like that should have been, like, in episode because the end result was, like, essentially nothing. Like, nothing happened after that. Um, Keith kissed Katarina and it just made things really fucking weird because they've been brother and sister their entire life. and Or stepbrother and sister their entire life. And, hey, let's just fucking make it weird. Let's make the story weird. Even though we kind of knew already that Keith had, like, a crush on it. But, like, I really wish it didn't go that route. I wish it went the route of, like, Sophia where Sophia crushed on Katarina season one and then realized like, actually I think it'd be better if you went after my brother and went that route. Um, I hated the, the, the blonde guy who had with the brother complex. That was just on so bad, not funny. I don't, I don't know. I feel like the comedy in this is really hitting this Katarina growing up her entire life, playing these styles of games and then just being the dense dense main character that she is doesn't really make a lot of sense because she knows the style of game that she's essentially in she has the experience of like what these games entails picking somebody going that route and then playing that route and with her it's just like 
it's not that she's not choosing a route. It's that she's oblivious to the routes, even though we have the context of her knowing the game that she's playing. So had a real qualm with that. However, there were some great things about the show. I believe it's still a very pretty show. I love the ca- the color palettes that they use in the show. Very bright colors, very shiny. I think it reflects the personality of Katarina and a lot of the other characters as well. Big fan of that. The the OP for season one was really good. The, se- the season two OP was, I'd say, okay. Kind of a step down. It is what it is. You can't always get banger after banger. We are getting a movie. A sequel movie, which will be interesting. Um, I'm not entirely sure what they're going to do in maybe like an hour and a half timeline. Because how bad's the wrong word. Poorly paced the show is. And now they're taking whatever arc they're going to do next and condense it into a movie. I hope that's better. I hope things go faster in the movie is my, my goal. I want something to happen. I want something to happen so bad. Like just the whole like Keith kissing Katarina and Giordo kissing Katarina isn't a lot if Katarina doesn't like grow or like her character does something with it. It's just like, Oh my God, he kissed me. Oh, it was a dream. It couldn't have been real. It was a dream type of thing. I want them to progress from that so then we can see real. Because I feel like this show can do like real every now and then. Have a real conversation. Explore your feelings. Talk about what you're saying. And not just do the whole trope of, oh, somebody walked in at the wrong time. I guess the conversation's over. Oh, Let's not talk about this. It was a mistake, blah, 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 blah. I feel like you could have that conversation and really like establish a parameter in the story. I have no idea what the light novel does. I'm just basing this off purely the anime. That's kind of like what my goal is. I gave season one a seven. I thought that was, I thought it was a decent season one. Season two, I expected a little bit more from the story. I didn't get it. I'm going to put it at a six. It was fine. Um, I would, I think I would still recommend it to most people. But I just hope that the story can do a little bit more with, uh, especially with getting more content and the pacing in the actual story. All right. Next up is a super fun show. I was really looking forward to this and it was way better than I thought it was going to be. And that's welcome to demon school. Irma Kuhn season dose got way, way way more of the student council president which is exactly what we wanted we wanted to see the dynamic between her and irma and i feel like that was show showcased a lot and handled extremely well um the original cast of characters is back as well alice and um not al yeah ozkun or whatever and clara love clara I kind of enjoyed her getting the back seat for a little bit, but also being in the show when she needed to. I thought it was a great balance between her and the student council president. And then, I mean, like the date episode was just absolutely incredible. Everything we wanted with our boy Irma. We love Irma. Everybody loves Irma. All my homies love Irma. And just the comedy was hitting, you know, the story itself was, was fun. How they could, oh my God, how they handled puberty in this show was so great. 
So instead of having like growing facial hair or your voice getting deeper and stuff like that, they go through like a bad boy phase and that's like their puberty. And I thought that was hilarious. We got like four or five episodes of Irma just being an absolute badass. Like the chicks fawning over like, like, Ooh, Irma's kind of a badass. What? I thought that was just handled so well. Uh, lots of fun. Getting a third season, which I'm so happy for. This show was just an absolute blast. I'm really looking forward to seeing where they're going to progress the story. I don't think the romance is really going to go anywhere because it's not really that style of show. I just like in this style of show, we get like the 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 teasing romance where it's like, yeah, they went on a date, but you know, she's the student council president and he he needs to be the demon king or whatever like that. And it's kind of that's taking the backseat. I feel like that's what Irma does fantastic. Um this was like a borderline 8-9 for me. Right now it's an 8. That's what I'm going to give it right now. But I do think with like a season 3, and I think about it more, I do think I... I really do think that this has like a possibility of being like a 9 out of 10 show. It was so much fun. I loved it. If you haven't watched Eater McCoon yet, you need to. It's... It reminds me of my childhood. It reminds me of like Saturday morning cartoons. It's just a, just a wonderful show. Next up, we got Poor Man's Re-Life, and that is Remake Our Life, a story of a boy who's an adult, and he's kind of like a, quote, failure, gets whiskered away back into his college days where he meets his, some of his new friends or whatever and develops um, these college relationships and working on, like, becoming who they want to be in the future Huge problem with this show. Massive, massive, massive problem with this show. In the show, it's portrayed that uh, uh, Koya, the main character, is sort of like the director. He's the producer. He's running. He's calling the shots um, when they're working on this project, which is a, a, I think it's like a hentai dating sim or something like that. That's kind of like what they're working on. One of the characters does the art, the other one does the story, and one of the girls did, like, the music and some of the sound and stuff like that. So they all have their own dynamic in working with this game. And then by the end of it, we see, like, the outcome of Koya, Kyoya, whatever his name is, um, essentially being, like, the leader. And it essentially just, like, ruins everybody's life. Um, Nanako no longer sings. Uh, Aki no longer draws and is just like a housewife. And then um, the boy in the house uh, just quits writing altogether, all because Koya did things his way. And I thought that was just like an awful message to send. Like, it's okay to do things your way sometimes. Like, handling these situations in the way that you want it to is a good thing sometimes. And it's just how, how they like framed it in the show was just like, you did everything for yourself. You weren't thinking about other people. And because of that, you ruined their life. It's just like, okay, pump the brakes. Um, I made a meme where it's like, this dude just like choking on broccoli. And I was just like, this is the force of drama that this show is like shoving down our throats. And it's like, that's not what happens. And honestly, in your life, if your life gets ruined because some guy wanted to do things his way, guess what? Your life probably should have been ruined. Like, good luck working at any job 
where you have a manager it's like hey we're gonna do it this way not gonna ruin my life i'm just gonna do my job and continue with what i'm doing i just thought that that aspect was handled so poorly at the end they kind of fixed it with the ico um confession confession scene i'll put that in quotes because it i think it was more of like she like admired him more than like romantically loved him type of thing and it's like hey you can be better and still do this and you know not ruin everyone's life even though that part was so so poorly handled and he gets to go back and try to clear things up and it kind of set up for like a second season even though based off what i'm seeing uh the sales for like the light novel and the blu-ray are just bad um and it's probably never going to get a second season. Just watch Real Life. Real Life handles this so much better in the terms of wanting, like, not being able to go back, like, live in the moment. Um, you can't change what happened in the past, but you can change what's happening now and today. And I think Real Life handles that so much better than this. It's kind of like the same parallel of what they were trying to convey in the message. I just didn't like how Remake Our Lives did it. So I'm going to give it a 6. I thought it was fine. There were some really good aspects of it. I did enjoy the female characters. I thought uh, Aki was like a really, really well done female character. Um, and same with uh, Aiko, the redheaded girl. I thought she was handled really well. And, you know, it looked good. The OP was pretty solid. And I think the message is there that's good if you like peel back all the layers of garbage in front of it i just think the message is good how they handled the message was bad is the best way to put it so uh giving remake our life a six and the last isekai we had was that time i got reincarnated as a slime season two part two loved part one i thought the character development with rimuru essentially going to like all lengths to you know, like, find a result for his friend was really well done. Part two, I had qualms with the narration and the dialogue we had. I felt like I was watching The Endless Eight again from Haruhi Suzumiya. There was a lot, a lot of dialogue that I felt like, I understand, like, it's importance. It was just, it needed to be broken up by, like, comedy. It needed to be broken up by, like, uh, some other, like, conflict where we're just sitting in one room and they're all delegated and just talking, 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 talking. And it's just, if the dialogue is just stale and bull, I feel like I'm in a meeting at work or something like that. I need something to spark something to click in my head and be like, Oh, this is funny. Blah, 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 blah. And I, I think it missed a mark. However, I do feel like the ending set up something that could be really well done. I had problems with the clay man, um, fight, they set it up whole, the whole season where Clayman was like this end boss and he really wasn't. I thought that was kind of, that kind of missed the mark. However, I do enjoy the setup of like the new eight demon Lords. I thought that was handled very well. And just for what's to come, we're getting a sequel movie in a year that I think, I think we could get like an arc in a movie, which I think that would be much better for the pacing of the show. Kind of like what we talked about with Otome. I thought the pacing was just like the pacing, the dialogue pacing was just too much this season. And um, 
hot take. I think Shion should have stayed dead. That way it builds a threat in the world. When you have every character just essentially living all the time, I'm never the conflict that they arise in the show, I'm never going to feel like threatened because if someone does die, then they just get resurrected, that type of thing. I think it's great when you have main characters go through conflicts and they don't win. It sets up the power scaling of the world. And it's just, if Rimuru and gang is always the most powerful, all the conflicts are going to be nulled. And that's like one of the big things that I don't like about slime. And it's one of the problems that I had with the Clayman fight. It was just, it was over so fast it could have, I feel like it could have, they should have just made Clayman way more powerful. Rimu needed to go into his bag to essentially defeat them. That wasn't the case. However, like the after effects of what happened with the formation of the new squad was really well done. So it's like you take the good, you take the bad, and then you have the facts of life. And that's kind of like what happened with it. So not going to brag on it too much. I think I gave part one an eight. I'm going to give part two a seven. It wasn't bad. It just, I feel like it could have done some things a little bit more. I am excited for the movie. It's not like, I would still recommend slime to people. Like I know people enjoy it for its world building, its characters and just like that whole fantasy element. And that's there. But when we are, you know, like 48 episodes into the show, the buildup is already been done and it's great. Okay. Now we need to add the substance to it. And the substance is like you ordered hot wings and you got mild or something like that. That's kind of what I'm comparing it as just, I need a little bit more spice in this story, a little bit more conflict. And I think it could be there. I think it could be one of the best isekais out there. Just give me, I just need a little bit more. Ooh, next up. This show was a fucking delight. I love this show so much. And as the Duke of death and his maid, uh, this show, I think a lot of people are repulsed by its CG animation, which is just silly because the story itself is so much fun. Love the romantic element between the two. The guy can't touch the girl or he'll kill her. He can't touch anything or it dies. And I love how they do the OP together. And I feel like they're like singing to each other and they're conveying their message to each other that like they love each other. And we'll be together when this curse is done. It's just, I want to touch you so bad it hurts type of thing. And that, I feel like that message was portrayed so well. We had a wonderful cast of characters. Alice's maybe like wife of the year. I loved her. She was so much fun. She knows exactly what she wants and she'll do whatever she wants to do in order to like tease him. Because that's how she, you know, gets off with what she has available with uh, the Duke since he, she can't touch him and he can't touch her. Um, Zane and cough were great. I love their little witch dynamic. Rob and Viola's dynamic was pretty funny where Rob is just this pure gentleman at heart. Viola is attracted to how proper Rob is. And I mean, that was just like a whole silly dynamic. I, I wish just more people weren't turned off by its animation because the story and how everything was portrayed. There's even like a fun little mystery inside. Like what happened to Alice's mom who gave uh, the Duke the curse, all these little side stories along with 
the main romance between the two characters was just an absolute blast to watch. I'm giving the show a nine. I loved it. Uh, we're getting a second season and it's really well done. Like really well done. One of the best romances of the year. It's probably going to compete with that. And like Hori Mia for like best for romance of the year. I think it was that, that good. Just the dynamic between the two were just so fun. And before we get to our last show, we're going to talk about the shows that I dropped. Because, you know, not every season can be golden. And there were some shows that I had some problems with. First up is The the Detective is Already Dead. I think my biggest problem with this show is that I had a preconceived notion of what the show was going to be going into it. It was like labeled as like romance mystery. And yes, the title is The Detective is Already Dead. But I was really hoping that like was like a play on words or something like that where Siesta the detective wasn't actually dead and she was, and she's like living inside people and stuff like that. And I, that whole dynamic just seemed really unnecessary when you have a character like Siesta that was like really fun right off the gates. They also blew their animation budget on episode one and just not the rest of the story. Um, as a visual medium, you probably shouldn't blow your budget on episode one to just hook people in. You need to, you know, continue with it, with it, how it goes throughout the rest of the story. The main character was just like stereotypical whatever main character dude. So I didn't, I, I, I'm finding that out as a, I have a big problem with that, with the realist hero where the main character is just a dude. He's just a dude. You got to give me something more. Give me a personality. Give me a trait. Give me something more than just him being the dude of the character, the main character. And I don't know what happened afterwards. I heard it got worse. I dropped it after a few episodes. Just not my thing. Dropped it. Uh, Next up was Kanajo Mo Kanajo or Girlfriend Girlfriend. Hated the main character. Same thing. He's just a dude. And had this conversation in Discord where he like goes for it, I guess was the word for it. And it was, I'm a fan of saying like shooter shoot. How he shot was not how I portrayed a polyamorous relationship happening because the girl like confesses to him and he's just like, well, I don't want to see her sad. So I should date her. Right. Let's go ask my girlfriend if I can date her. Didn't really enjoy that aspects of the relationship. I will give major props to Saki. Her voice actress was incredible. Holy shit. She was so good. She almost made me continue the anime just based off her voice actress alone. However, I hated it. I hated that they added a third girl, and it looks like they're adding a fourth girl. Why? This dude is not cool. I don't get the appeal. It'd be way better if it was, like, a reverse, and we're like, the girls are just so hot. Like, wouldn't it make way more sense if the girls had, like, a, a harem? So, yeah. I just have a lot of problems with it. It's just, I'll be honest with you, I'm 30. This is not a show made for a 30-year-old, so take that for what it is. Peach Boy Riverside, the show was actually average, but how the director did the episodes were like episode four was episode one, episode one was episode six, episode seven was episode two, to like switch things up is just dumb. Like people, I just need the story. The story is all I need. You don't need to do these like bullshit tactics to make it something that it isn't and that's what they tried and i'm a fan of people taking risks in stories 
this isn't taking a risk in the story. This is just being like ignorant and dumb. And I, I didn't know where the story was. And they're just like, I saw people just say like, watch it when it's finished. And then the order it's supposed to be, I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to go out of my way because the director did this in a style of story where it's just a shonen power story with some girls and stuff. Like, this isn't Violet Evergarden. This is like Naruto. It's just like people fight and punch each other and shit. Like, ain't that deep, fam. So, big problems with Peach Boy Riverside. And last but not least, I'm standing on A Million Lives Season 2. What an absolute garbage show this was. I watched Season 1. It was bad. I watched season two and episode one was incredible. It made no sense. And then they just ruined it. I don't know. Episode one was like heartwarming and the story was developing and the characters were like developing. And then they threw that all away with just how poorly paced the show is. Nothing happens. They are weak all the time. It's season two and they are still absolutely terrible fighters. They have to do these bullshit tactics to win simple fights. And it's just like driving me crazy. Like, that's not how RPGs work. Like, don't be put in these situations. I don't know. Like, the power scaling needs to be fixed. It's all over the place. One thing I loved was, like, how his class was, like, a cook and could, like, see the meat when he was, like, fighting on, like, a boar or something like that. And that's how he, like, won the fight. That aspect was cool. However, only the main character got that. None of the other characters got cool things. They're just all buffers for the main character, who was an okay character, but, like, it's set up in such a way where I just don't care. The animation is dog shit. The The OP from Season 1 was one of the worst OPs I've ever seen, so thank God Season 2 OP was, like, a smidge better. But if you're looking for Isekais, there's just so much better Isekais out there. I don't know why it got a second season, but it did, so... Uh, I dropped it. I don't know what happened. Don't care. Hope it doesn't get a third season. Let me get a sip real quick and we'll get to our last one. Our last uh, review, because those are all the shows I dropped. The last show that we will be reviewing is Tokyo Revengers. Wrapped up uh, the bloody Valentine arc in the second half of the season. And... It's going to be shocking if we don't get a second season because this manga is selling like absolute hotcakes. It's like 10xing Demon Slayer in terms of how popular this manga is in Japan. So we, I bet a lot of money that we're getting a second season. The second half, I thought, did a really good job at portraying Takamichi as a better character than what he was in the beginning because I did have issues with him as a main character going in the like how it started crying a lot a lot of like the Asta comparisons with instead of screaming he's crying and I could see that but then as we developed the story and you know if you see like the girl you love die twice you see like your best friend get stabbed and murdered you see your best friends in jail you know what it's okay to cry like I think it's perfectly fine in Takamichi's situation, getting overwhelmed with emotions and just letting it all out. I actually found him being quite a decent main character towards the end of it. Kind of gave me like a Subaru vibe where Subaru and ReZero was the same thing where I had problems with him in the beginning. As we got more content, we found out more and more of who he is as a character. Takamichi, kind of the same thing. I mean, Tokyo Revengers is... It's like a shoujo dis- disguised as a shonen is like what I want to put it because it is a love story. 
and he's doing all this to save Tachibana, which is, I, I mean, you know me, I fucking love that shit. However, we got a fantastic cast of characters. Mikey and Draken are, what a great one-two combo that we have. They are the yin and yang of Tomen. And then we got, like, the side characters that I really enjoyed. Um, Mitsuya, the blue-haired guy, was a big fan, especially towards the end. Enjoyed his character a lot. Um, I had some problems with uh, Kazutora, him as, like, the antagonist of the Bloody Valentine arc. I thought him being, like, a psychopath was a little over-exaggerated for somebody who's, like, 15 I do understand that we did get the backstory on kind of why, who he is as a person. And the bloody Valentine arc in itself was like an eight and a half out of 10 arc. It was really well done. I enjoyed the gang aspects of like the fight. And overall, I mean, Tokyo Revengers was like a really fun show. The OP, just a slapper. The animations were whatever, but I thought the song itself was just wonderful. Really looking forward to more Tokyo Revengers. I have it as an 8 right now. I think with more content, it could be a 9. I think it's that good. You know Shonen isn't my thing. And just how Tokyo Revengers... Kind of like Jujutsu Kaisen. You make great characters. You make great dynamics between the cast. And you can make the story anything. It doesn't have to be fighting. It doesn't have to be anything. As long as the cast is there. And the relationships that they build along the way. You have like at least a cornerstone for a 7 out of 10 show build from that and you can do more and that's like why hunter hunter is that like the peak for shonen because of the dynamics they do along with building up the cast tokyo revengers it's getting there really solid cast give me more and it could be a higher score 8 out of 10 and that's going to wrap up the summer seasonal review if you made it this far thank you so much um if you could leave, comment, follow, subscribe, like, depending on which platform you're watching on, best way to support us. Can't thank you enough uh, for just the overwhelming support we've gotten in the last like few weeks alone. Um, we've really seen our numbers rise, more people interacting with us, and getting the content that people are looking for. So if you have a specific thing that you want to hear me or the cast talk about, let me know. Twitter, email, Discord, whatever's the best way that you can contact me. Just do that and I'll get back to you and I'll try to, you know, make something that people actually want to see if this is not what you're looking for. Um, otherwise, in a week, we have Watch Club and we will be watching Death Parade. So if you're a fan of group uh, discussions and reviews, that's what Watch Club is and we're doing that next week. Otherwise, in two weeks... I'll think of something and I'll get you some content that's not Watch Club, but otherwise, thanks for watching and we'll see you next time.